Hello and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. This week in the BCL, Ike took down Jerusalem in a battle of title contenders. Sasari beat Turk Telecom in a similar battle of top tier teams. And Nizni completed a late comeback against Bomberg. Here to talk about all of that and much more with me is David Hein over in Germany. Dave, how are you doing this week? Very good. The uh, BCL has given us an early couple of early Christmas gifts with a very nice uh, game day to close off the 2019 calendar year. Yeah, it was an awesome game day nine. As Dave alluded to, there are no games for the next two weeks as the Champions League takes a quick break for Christmas and New Year's. The BCL returns Tuesday, January 7th and Wednesday, January 8th with game day 10. So a nice nice little break for uh, some of the teams and players as they've been grinding through a tough season. Uh, and we'll look forward to uh, hitting the ground running in 2020 with game day 10. Also on the show this week is Zach Hankins, the great center from Nimburg. Uh, the Czech champions are one of the best teams in the competition this year, and Hankins has been a big part of that. Dave and I talked to him about Nimburg's success, their recent win over Gaziantep, going to a Division II college, and much more. So stay tuned for that coming up later in the show. But first, let's start it off with the team of the week. Shots up and off. From range, offensive rebound. Tony Roden, who else? Leading off the team of the week is Dijon point guard Axel Julian. As Dijon beat Neptunus by 21, Julian had 21 points, 10 assists, and 5 steals for the French club. Tony Roten from Anvil, he was instrumental in the Polish club's big win over San Pablo Burgos. He had 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists in that one. Michel Vitali from Dinamo Sassari, the Italian club, he had 20 points on 4 of 5 3-point shooting as they beat Turk Telecom in a thriller in Italy. He also had 4 assists. At center, Emmanuel Terry from Bandirma had a monster performance. 25 points without attempting any three-point shots as he dunked all over Antwerp in an important win for Bandirma. And the MVP this week, Howard Saint-Rouz, played all 40 minutes of Ike's win over Jerusalem. He had 18 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, played his usual stingy defense as the 28-year-old Cuban helped Ike get an important win over their rivals, Jerusalem. Dave, uh, what do you think about the team of the week and anybody else who deserves a shout-out? San Ruz! <laughs> yeah, um, uh, just a fantastic performance, obviously, from him. We'll talk about uh, uh, that whole game later on, of course. Um I mean, really, uh, Ricky Lido had a chance, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, obviously Roten made the team and deserved it, but you know, uh, Lido had a big game for Anvil. Uh, also Josh Young, maybe Josh Young could have been put in there. Um, had, uh, you know, for Fechte came off the bench with the 27 points, uh, hit six, three pointers, uh, hit four, three pointers, sorry. Um, and, uh, four assists, three steals. Uh, but yeah, kind of hard to complain about any of those guys that who, who actually did make the team. All right. That's a good team of the week this week. Let's jump in now with our group-by-group group breakdowns. Tani with the three is good. And they are hot and rocking here. Starting it off in Group A, let's talk about Sassari beating Turk Telecom 92-89 to in Italy. Both teams entered this game at 6-2, and so we knew this was going to be a powerhouse clash. Sassari started fast, they forced a lot of turnovers, got some fast break points, uh, and they, they were in control for most of the game. They led by about 10 points for a lot of the third quarter, but then Turk Telecom rallied back behind RJ Hunter, Kyle Wilcher, Nick Johnson, and they ended up taking a 79-70 lead with about six and a half minutes left in the game. But Sassari was big in crunch time at home. Stefano Gentile stepped up when the team needed him most. He hit a big three, stole the ball and got fouled and made a free throw, hit another three-pointer, and then a mid-range fadeaway J as he scored nine points in the fourth quarter to help Sassari get back in it. Curtis Geralds also hit a couple really big threes in the fourth quarter, and Turk Telecom could not respond at the other end. And 
the game winning uh the game winning play ended up being a Gerald's drive and missed layup but Dwayne Evans he only had 4 points for the game but two of them came on the game game winning tip with 24 seconds left and Kyle Wilcher couldn't knock down a pretty good look uh two good looks I, I guess at the end of regulation as Sasari escape with the win uh dave what did you think about the italian side winning this one and uh taking over first place in group a you know i it, it lived up to its billing you know we both kind of looked into this game we you know went into this game thinking oh you know this is going to be you know should be a high level game and and obviously meaning a lot uh with the two teams at the top of the uh, of the group and it lived up to that uh, you mentioned uh, Gentile and, and, and Gerald's, man. They were just fantastic, you know, off the bench. You know, both those guys came off the bench and they combined for 31 points. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the turnovers. It seems like every time that um, uh, that uh, that Turk Telecom turned the ball over, you know, so sorry, turned them into points, just were, you know, got easy points. And, and in, a, in a big battle like this, it's always, you know, and absolutely invaluable to to get easy points. You know, eighteen turnovers, uh, just ten for Sasari, um, and then you know, with with uh, Sasari hitting, um, you mentioned uh, Vitali hitting the threes. They went fifty two percent, fourteen to twenty seven from from long range, and you just put them all together, and that's hard for for any team. And then being on the road uh, to overcome for for Turk Telecom, but really a great game. Yeah, and, and promising for Sasari that they were able to win this game uh, despite only 10 points from Daishan Pierre, who's been uh, one of the most explosive players in the mm-hmm. competition uh, this season. So to have everybody else step up uh, was was big for Sasari. Elsewhere in Group A, Lid Cabellis beat Manresa 77-61 in an upset. Uh, the Lithuanian club just keeps on ticking over there under the radar a little bit. Halone lost an important game at home against Ostend. Ostend beat them 59-58. And Torun blew out Strasbourg on the road 97-75 to for their second win of the season. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on the rest of Group A? I have a feeling some of Group A will be discussed in overtime, so I'll leave it to that. Just, so that just uh, yeah, Halone... Uh Ostend was a pretty ugly game, though. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think uh, Group A might come up a little bit in, in overtime, so we'll leave it for that. It's a nice pass, throws it back out. Howard Sambrus turns down to three. Instead, Masulis will shoot it. Masulis will make it. Extra pass from Howard Sambrus. All right, moving on to Group B and the game of the week entering the week. Ike versus Hapoel Jerusalem lived up to its billing. Great playoff atmosphere in Athens for this one as these two teams, uh, it's a, a, a true heavyweight bout whenever these two teams face off. Ike were super aggressive attacking the rim early on. They got a lot of layups and free throws and then just started raining threes in the second quarter. Nikos Gikas hit a couple. Jonas Machulis, Kendrick Ray, Howard Saint-Ruz, all of these guys were burying threes. Jerusalem were able to stay in it with their offensive rebounding. Tayshon Thomas, Suleiman Brimo had, had really strong games. But Ike dominated the fourth quarter. They won that quarter 23-12. to uh, it seemed like Marcus Slaughter, Jonas Machulis, Howard Saint-Ruz, these guys were making huge plays uh, when they needed to the most. And for Jerusalem, rough outing for James Feldin. Only two points in the first half, 10 points total on one of eight shooting, as he was really bothered by Howard Saint-Ruz and, and the, uh, the aggressive and long Ike defense. Uh, Dave, this was a, a pretty good game throughout, but... Ike were able to pull away late. Uh, what did you think about the showdown in Athens? You know, uh, if you're an Ike fan, uh, you have to be really happy about uh, about this game in a lot of aspects. You know, Langford scored ten in the first first quarter, um, and 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 only ended with eighteen. Uh, really struggled from the field, four of eighteen. Uh, but you know, you had your let's call them unsung guys. Um, you know, Slaughter hit the buzzer beater. Um, uh, uh, Chalmers, I know it's hard to call an NBA, a multiple NBA champion, uh, an under, uh, you know, sort of a role player, but, you know, in this team, he kind of is, uh, hit a big, uh, three. Chris, Chris also hit a big three. So these, these are, these are guys that, you know, you don't, uh, expect, you know, huge outputs from, um, and they were able to, to really pick up, uh, uh, some good production. And you mentioned Feldeen. It wasn't just Feldeen. Um, you know, you look at Jacobin Brown and Tamir Blatt. You can, 
combine those three, they only had 28 points combined on 28% um, uh, 28% field goal shooting. So, uh, you, you know, this was Ike, you know, throwing down the hammer defensively and, and, and you know, and getting, uh, getting the offense – you know, from from spots where they didn't, you know, don't always need always get it, especially you know when Langford uh, struggles for, you know, really almost three quarters. You know, he ended up with eighteen, but like I said, he had ten in the first quarter alone. Yeah, and Langford, you you mentioned he struggled four of eighteen from the field, but one thing that he did that was super valuable in this game for Ike was he was able to get to the free throw line. He's so difficult to defend without fouling because guys try to crowd him as much as he can because if he gets even an inch of space, he can hit really tough shots. Uh, but he's just so good at, at drawing contact, drawing fouls. He puts so much pressure on the defense, and he ended up making nine of eleven free throws in this game. So. Very valuable to have a guy like that who's even when he's struggling with his with his shot from the field, he can get to the free throw line and, and get some easy points. Um, so looking at, at the standings right now in Group B, Ike took the uh, took over first place. They're seven and two. Happywell Jerusalem just behind them at six and three. Uh, Dave, do you think this this game is is maybe kind of a good indication of where these two teams stand? Do you think Ike is, is definitely better than Jerusalem or uh, is, is it maybe just a, a too close to call type of thing? A little bit of circumstance like with, with Ike winning at home here? I I, th- I think they're better. I um, especially because you have the, you have the, you know, the consummate uh, defensive prowess leader that you have in St. Rose, you know, played 40 minutes again. Um, I think that's the second time he he's done that. Um, and, and, uh, you just, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a defensive battle. And I don't know if you, if you're necessarily going to get that all the time from, from, from a team like, uh, Jerusalem, not to say they don't play defense or anything like that, like, like that, but, you know, you don't have your leader being a defensive stalwart, you know, and, and then you also have this guy who really, you know, four of 18, uh, and he still scores 18 points, uh, Langford. So, um, just those two guys, um, and then everybody else just saying, all right, we'll do what we, you know, we'll pick our spots where we need to be and, and we'll do it. So in that regard, I, I still think that Ike is, is better of these two. Yeah, I think this was a, a statement victory for Ike. A couple of weeks ago, I picked Jerusalem as a as a, my title favorite at that point, but I was really impressed by this performance from Ike. Uh, just in, incredible defense all around, and they beat Jerusalem at their own game a little bit. They outscored them seventeen to six on fast break points. So when you can keep this Jerusalem offense to only six fast break points, that's really impressive. They did a great job throughout the game. Elsewhere in Group B. Anvil beat Burgos 100 to 90 in an important game. They are both five and four right now in the standings with Anvil in mm-hmm. third place. Rastafecta got an important win beating Poe Ortez 93 to 86 to stay in the mix. Uh, they are also five and four along with Anvil and Burgos. And Bandirma beat Antwerp 89 to 81 to kind of uh, keep pace a little bit there. Bandirma, four and five. So just outside the playoff picture right now, but still definitely in it. Uh, Dave, any other thoughts on Group B? Uh, you know, Anvil, you have to be impressed with uh, the, uh, you know, from the the other guys. First, first, I wrote down fun, fun, fun in this game. That, you know, that Anvil-Burgos game, if you want to go watch a fun game, really, that was just fantastic. Uh, seeing all those great weapons that Anvil had, but you see like Fremanis and, and Sokolovsky both uh, coming up with big plays as well late. So, you know, when you have like, like your seven, eight guys um, coming up with big plays and then you have all of those huge weapons, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really tough. Just one, also just one really quick note on, on, on Fecht to 59 to 30 on bench points, uh, young, we mentioned 27 Hackenhoff at 14 and, and Kamari Murphy came off the bench for 11. Um, you know, so just a huge performance from the bench from, from Fechte. If they can't come up with a steal. Oh, did they force the turnover? Yes, they did. Here comes Nizzi. Ostapkovich goes in, scores. They've taken the lead. 
All right, moving on to Group C. Let's start it off with Nizhny Novgorod getting their third win in a row. They beat Bomberg 76-75 to in Russia. That's Bomberg's third straight loss after a 4-2 and start. And Nizhny turned the tables at the end of this game. They scored the final 11 points of the game uh, to beat Bomberg, outscoring them by 11 in the fourth quarter to overcome a big deficit and get the one-point win. Uh, Dave, this has been an uncharacteristic season, I think, for Bomberg based on everyone's expectations of them, uh, you know, just as, as a program. Of course, a lot of new faces there. Uh, but what, what do you think went wrong for the German side in, in this one? You know, I th- they didn't have bad looks. Yeah. Uh, you know, down the stretch, you know, the four, the fi- the final five possessions, they weren't able to score. Uh, you know, uh, Lee Lee got blocked on one sh- shot. There was another shot, uh, another shot that got blocked. Uh, I think maybe from Bryce Taylor, um, that ended up in a in a twenty four second um a second twenty four second uh, violation. Uh, Lee was at the rim and and it just didn't fall. Um, and then there was that really strange situation with the Sankfelder, uh, throw in. I, I still don't know what they call. I think they called that he was in possession of the ball when he stepped out of bounds. Maybe I, I still don't know how the ball got, went back to, went back to Nizhny and, 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 and Bomberg was still leading by three then. And that led to then the Jankovic dunk. Um, so yeah, and 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 the thing is, it makes it that much more worse because you you were able to you know have have Brandon Brown be a total non-factor. You know he had two points fouled out with, um, I think with five minutes left, uh, no six minutes left, fouled out with six minutes left. And this is a guy who had forty-eight points in the in the previous two games, and so you turn him into a non-factor. Uh, and you have an and you have a ten point lead and you still can't hold it. So this is a devastating loss. Also, it would have been a road win as well. So it just you know you put everything on top of each other and it just you know, you know this is not not the vic- not the not the result that this team needed. Um, you know they bring in Darian Atkins, who I think will help. Uh, but uh, you know this is a. This is not a good. This is not a good uh, result for for this club that that needed this victory in this group, especially because now they're kind of in a in uh, now they're in, they're really in a in a tough fight to get uh, to really get into the playoffs. Yeah, only five games left in the regular season, and Bomberg are two games out of the playoffs behind Peristeri and Nizhny. Elsewhere in Group C, Nimburg picked up another win at Gaziantep, winning that one 79-69. We talk about that with Zach Hankins coming up later. Peristeri won their third straight game. They beat Vef Riga on the road 71-64. to And Tenerife got back to their winning ways. They destroyed Mornar 91-61. Georgie Shermadini dominant again with 22 points and 8 rebounds in only 18 minutes in that one. Uh, Dave, any other thoughts on Group C? Uh, just, uh, Gaziantep played without Jason Rich and also Jamel Haggins. Um, and, uh, welcome back to Tenerife for, uh, Georges Bogris, who, uh, who obviously helped hoist the, the trophy, the first, uh, the inaugural season. So, uh, it's good to have Bogris back in the, in the BCL. Outside defense, just too slow to react. Silicon Boss is bumbling. Again, a steal now with DeLeo. DeLeo steals it now. Brunig, Brunig's going to give it a throwdown. All right, moving on to Group D. Let's start it off with Bon beating Brindisi, and this is this still is just the weirdest group, uh, in my opinion. Bon really struggling in the German league, but they're six and three now in the Champions League. They've won four of their last five, and in this one, they lit it up in the fourth quarter, thirty-six points in the final frame. Uh, tying the record for most points scored in any quarter this season. Uh, Tarun is the other team to have scored 36. Bon outscored Brindisi 36-23 in that final period. Uh, Dave, what is, uh, what's going on with the German club? Why, why are they struggling so much in the league there, but then able to put together performances like this and, and beat a solid Brindisi team? You know, this is a... Um... The German league is pretty tough, and they've had you know they've had some really tough games against some some of the the the, the top teams in in the league, um, and also getting surprise teams like Kreilsheim, 
when they were really on a high, you know, early on in the season. Um, but you know, I went back and looked at it and they, they shot, uh, they were 13 of 18, 72% in the fourth quarter alone, um, eight assists. Uh, and, uh, really if you, um, I, one of the guys I've really enjoyed on this team, he hasn't really been, he's been sort of unsung, I guess, uh, you know, just, just hasn't really gotten up there yet. He's been, I think this is his, this is his first year outside of the States is, is, uh, Steven Zimmerman. Um, and, you know, just super smooth guy, lefty. I have a preference for lefties anyhow. Um, and he had four points, but he had four assists alone in the fourth quarter, uh, in the first like six minutes or whatever. And it was just great watching him really, really, you know, kind of lead play, if you will, you know, they kind of just ended up, you know, not necessarily going through him, but the, but the, but the, 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 the plays ended up going through him, you know, and setting things up. And it was really just fun watching that, uh, just an absolute explosion by, by bond. And, you know, it's, it's needed, you know, just to keep their, their motivation, their, you know, their, um, uh, their momentum going at least in the champions league and until they can kind of find their way in the, in the, in the BBL. Yeah, it's interesting. I think at the beginning of the season, if you kind of did a poll and asked who would be the best German team in Champions League, I, I think the vast majority of people would have said Bomberg. But here we are after game day nine, and Bonn are leading Group D. Fecta are just right in the mix of the uh, the playoff battle there in a really, really tough Group B. And then you've got Bomberg two games out of the playoffs in, in Group C. So pretty interesting stuff and uh, really Im- impressive performances from Bonn in recent weeks. Just want to give a quick shout out to Tyler Stone in the loss for Brindisi. Huge numbers, 30 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Uh, Unfortunately for Brindisi, wasn't quite enough to get the job done. Elsewhere in Group D, Falco picked up their first road win, beating Pauk 89-80. to Last week, I picked Falco to make the playoffs uh, because they are undefeated in the Fortress at home, and I thought they had a great opportunity to win this game. They went out and did that. You called yeah, it. and great team effort in this one for Falco. Nine guys played, and they all scored at least six points, with Javante Redick leading the way with 14. So great team effort for Falco as they pick up another win. Dijon blew out Neptunus 92-70. to in France, and Zaragoza got a much-needed win, beating Besiktas 80-73. to uh, Dave, any final notes on Group D? Dijon without Tolston, uh, but I think Neptunus has kind of shown its face, uh, at least the one that I thought it was going to have. They've lost uh, four of their last five now, just 21% on three-pointers and 21 turnovers. Uh, and Zaragoza, man, I just love, I just, first of all, I love watching, uh, Carlos Allison in general. And then also to, just to kind of see the dynamic between him and another guy I totally like, but, but just so, as absolute crazy wild Dylan Ennis. And so just seeing the calm coolness of the young guy with this absolute craziness of Dylan Ennis, it's just so much fun watching, watching those two guys, uh, play together. All right, so that'll do it for our group-by-group breakdowns. Now let's move on to overtime. Five topics from around the league. First up is stat of the week. I'm going to go first here. I'm going to say zero. That is for zero fast break points by Fef Riga in their loss against Peristeri. They are the first team in the BCL to do that uh, this season. No points on the fast break. Uh, Pretty impressive stuff with the Greek side stifling Riga in Latvia. Dave, what's your stat of the week? I'm going to say 105.3. That is the points allowed by Tyrone in non-Strasbourg games. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) uh, They score, obviously... They they beat uh, Strasbourg ninety seven seventy five and it was ninety seven eighty one against Strasbourg, yeah one hundred two one hundred five one hundred five point three points uh, in the other games including one twenty two and one twenty one. Wow, yeah, Tarun. Uh... That seventy that seventy five that seventy five points almost felt like the like the Knicks of the nineties, you know. 
Yeah, pretty pretty incredible. Uh, I think I, I said about a month ago that me, you, and three random guys could score 100 points on Tarun. Uh, so great job by them. Uh, Strasbourg can't, I guess. <laughs> yeah, great job by them holding Strasbourg to just 75 on the road. Next up, surprise of the week. Uh, that that Tarun game, we'll, we'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, but I'm going to say Leet Cabela's beating Manresa uh, 77 to 61. Manresa had won their two previous road games. They beat Sasari by one point. They beat Tarun by 19, uh, scoring 121 in Poland there. Um, so I'm going to say Leet Cabela's beating Manresa and uh, keeping their playoff hopes alive in Group A. Dave, what was your surprise of the week? Yeah, I was going to go with that. And then I thought actually, um, actually Falco going on the road and, uh, and getting that victory. Yeah, I know, I know you, you called it and I, and I thought, yeah, that's a pretty good chance as well, but them actually do it. Um, and, um, and, and then they, they built the big lead. Uh, it, it was a, it was a 17 point lead. And then, um, Adam Smith, who ended up with 31, you know, charged him back. It was a 24, 20 to four run to get him to within one. And then they didn't know, they didn't just withstand that. They just, you know, delivered this knockout punch back dunk three, three. Um, and it ended up being an 11 Oh run game over. And that, you know, from a team like Falco, who's had struggles on the road, you know, even some crazy, you know, results on the, on the, on the road, as far as, uh, you know, uh, big differences and losses and stuff like that. So to, to, to withstand it and then to really not, you know, deliver this really counter knockout punch was, was for, for me a surprise, uh, that Falco was able to, you know, especially because you have this Adam Smith guy who was just, you know, you, you know, he just was not unstoppable. Uh, I think he ended up with 21 points in the final 12 minutes. Uh, but, uh, just, it wasn't enough. All right, next topic is worst home loss. I think there are two obvious ones here. Uh, And while I think Strasbourg losing by 22 at home against Tarun is probably more embarrassing, I'll actually talk here about Halone losing to Ostend 58-59 in Israel. Uh, The reason this was so devastating for Halone, it's their fourth straight loss. Uh, they are three and six right now, but this this win moved Ostend to four and five. That's the same record as Leitkabelis and Strasbourg. Uh, Ostend also beat Halone earlier in the season. This was a great opportunity for them to get some revenge and really, uh, you know, put themselves firmly into the playoff mix there in Group A. They're still only a game back, but uh, I, I, th- I think this was a pretty disheartening loss for Halone, one that they they should have won on their home court so i'm gonna go with that for my worst home loss uh what do you have dave i was gonna say pauk uh but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna take since you since you left it open i'll take strasburg especially since i picked strasburg to uh to to win the group nice bold prediction there um and uh yeah just you know 22 points at home um Okay, you're not going to have Tyrone in a tiebreaker, but you know, just to have that on your uh, in your in your psyche, um, that's you know, definitely not a good thing. Yeah, not at all. Uh, Strasbourg. It seems like you don't really know which team you're going to get from week to week. Uh, but yeah, big home loss for them. Next up, team that needs the holiday break the most. I'll go with Neptunus. Uh, we talked about them losing at Dijon. Uh, that's three straight losses for them after a four and two start. But I'm still pretty optimistic about them. All three losses were on the road. Uh, all three losses were also blowouts. They lost by 24, 14, and 21. But after the break, they get Pauk at home, uh, and their schedule's a little more even after that. So I, I think Neptunus really needs this break, get some practices in, get some rest, kind of recalibrate things, uh, and hopefully get back on track against Pauk afterwards. Uh, Dave, what, what team do you think needs the break the most? I'm going to say, I'm going to say Manresa. Um, you know, they, they're four and nine in the ACB. Uh, they, by, Baez played, Sima played, Nelson played, um, I guess Frankie Ferrari, there'll be at least two more weeks closer to having him back. Uh, Svetkovic is still out. Mitrovic played uh, during, uh, in the ACB against Jovantut, but he didn't play. Um, so just all of those injuries to give him two weeks to heal. Uh, I think that's going to be important because obviously, 
being in that tough group A, um, you know, obviously you're going to, the higher the seed you can get, the better. Um, you know, you, you're still at six and three, even with Turk Telecom and Cesare, but obviously they both showed a lot better performance, uh, uh, yes, this week. So just the health wise to kind of get, uh, to get healthy again and maybe focus a little bit on the, on the ACB to kind of get your confidence in that competition as well. All right. And the last topic, the team that wishes there wasn't a break. Uh, I'm going to go with Falco Zambate in group D three straight wins. They're playing some really good basketball right now. Uh, currently in the playoffs as it stands in group D, they are five and four tied with Zaragoza and one game ahead of Brindisi and Neptunus. So Falco probably wishes they could just keep playing because they're the hottest team in their group right now. Uh, Dave, which team do you think wishes there was not a break? I'm going to go with the team with the longest winning streak, which is four games. And that's Ike. Uh, four game winning streak. You know, you just come off a, a big win over uh, over Hapo Jerusalem. You're winning six in a row in the Greek league after starting one and four. So uh, just keep it going, keep it going. Okay, those those uh, older, you know, some of those older legs will be happy that they that they have the break. But uh, just to to stay in the rhythm and and uh, and and just keep playing uh, good basketball. That's obviously always a good thing to uh, to keep going. All right, so that's going to do it for Overtime. Coming up next, we have our interview with Zach Hankins, the center from Nimburg. He uh, was a really interesting guy. We covered a lot of different topics in this one, so stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side to wrap things up. Well, looking to isolate with Almeida. It's a Petabenda. Almeida in the lane. Almeida for the win. Doesn't get it, but it's hit back. He's in. And now, Aaron Nimburg, they win the game with Hankins here in Overtime. So on the show this week we have uh, Zach Hankins from uh, ERA Nimbrook. Uh, Zach, thanks for uh, for taking some time. Yeah, absolutely happy to do it. Uh, congratulations on the uh, the road victory over over Gaziantep. Um, maybe uh, maybe just talk about uh, the keys to the victory, uh, being able to pull out the uh, the road win. Yeah, well, um, you know we were kind of. We're, we're, right now we're down a couple guys, um, you know, Pavel Pompula just uh, got hurt in Bomberg in the first quarter, second quarter, and um, Yadomir Bohacic has been out for a little bit. So they're getting back and they're getting better, but we knew we were going into these past couple games a little bit shorthanded. So we really, really had to emphasize what we want to do, playing our pace up and down. You know, Gaziantep is a little bit of a slower team. They want to control the pace. We wanted to speed them up. Um, and then really chasing what we call red actions, which is like actions you do on the court that are outside of just pure talent. It's not the offensive stuff. It's, it's like, you know, taking a hit, boxing out, um, chasing over screens, really hard contesting shots. And, you know, that kind of gives us confidence in ourselves to play harder than the other team. And then that leads to, you know, fast breaks, uh, great defense, great shots. So that was really kind of the key going into this last game is to focus on what we do best. And uh, a forty-six twenty-six advantage in the paint um, was that. Was that also part of the game plan to kind of? I mean, obviously, those are maybe um, you know fast, you know some fast break layups, whatever. But kind of just you know pounding inside to 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 take advantage of your guys' size. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I mean, specifically for me, that's kind of my game is get shots as close to the basket as I can. But that's also the mindset we we go aggressive to the rim. Um, as much as we can. And, and once you start going aggressive to the rim, that's when you get wide open three-pointers because then they start crashing down and then you can kind of start to expose um, those those wide open kickouts. So that definitely is is part of our aggressive nature is, is get to the rim and um, use some size and strength when we can. And this was actually uh, the team's second road win. Uh, you guys beat Bamberg in Germany. Uh, maybe how big is it to get those uh-huh. road victories, uh, you know, in this competition where, where, where they're obviously almost worth double. Yeah, it's it's huge because I mean it's it's really tough to to travel, you know, go through some different time changes, um, and play in different countries where you don't have any support. You know, you don't really have anybody traveling with you. So um, it's huge, especially because we know that when we come home or when we have played them at home, we feel confident, we feel good about it. And um, we have some good support. So road wins are huge in this league. 
Yeah, Zach, in, in your first game against Gaziantep this season, uh, you had the, the buzzer-beating tip-in and overtime to win that game. Uh, was that your first career buzzer-beater game winner, and, and how did it feel to uh, to get that one in your rookie season? You know, that that is my first actual buzzer-beater. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've been the buzzer at, you know, halftime or something like that on a little layup, but to win a game with a buzzer-beater, that was huge for me. I was super excited, especially because I had I had a chance to – you know, ice the game in regulation. I missed back-to-back free throws, um, and we got lucky to go into overtime. And then I was able to kind of redeem myself and, and really not let my teammates down again. I feel like I let my teammates down missing two free throws that should be free points. But um, that tipping was was really exciting for me. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask that next. I bet it bet it felt extra good to to get that tip in after missing those free throws. Yeah, for sure. Because free, free throws are a little bit, you know, I've been doing a lot better than I have in the past. I've been working hard on them. Um, but, you know, that's that's one thing that a lot of players kind of shrivel down to is free throws at the end of the game. And so that was, uh, it, it hurt me a little bit, but I was really happy I could, could help my teammates out and then work on that. So that next time I'm in the situation, we don't have to go into overtime and get a buzzer beater. Yeah, for sure. And you're on a, you're on a really successful team with Nimbic. I'm sure you know about some of the history there. Uh, is is it kind of weird playing your rookie season on a team that has won every title in their national league since you were like seven years old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of it's, it's it's weirder playing with a guy who's won like every title since <laughs> I was seven with Petra Benza. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's really cool, you know, having that that culture of of winning, the expectation of winning. Uh, it's a difficult thing to kind of take on and and not get complacent with being just like, oh, we're supposed to win every game, so we will and actually having to work hard at it. Cause we've had a couple close games that, um, you know, we've had to work really hard at. So um, it, it's kind of a challenge going into, but I, we have a lot of fun with it. And um, yeah. Did they, uh, was, was there a moment where they kind of like sat you guys down and were like, look, you're not going to mess this up. All right. Like we, <laughs> we, like, we have a pretty awesome was, run going here. Yeah. It was kind of like that. It was, it was one of the, like the first games that, you know, after we had a close game, our team captain Pumperla came over and he's like, Hey, like we do not lose. All right. We're not going to lose. Um, that was like in the middle of the game. So, so we kind of, we kind of understood, all right, we need to make sure that we win every game and hopefully we can go, you know, last year they went undefeated. Hopefully we can have another one of those years. Kind of going back a little bit, uh, you know, for fans who, who might not know, you actually went to Ferris state, which is a uh, NCAA D2 school. Um, and they mm-hmm. were actually your only scholarship offer. Uh, you you broke your foot twice in high school, uh, which actually kept you to only two games as a senior. Um, uh-huh. Do you think you would have been maybe more highly recruited if you had been able to play that that senior year? I feel like I would have been. Um, I feel like I might have gotten to like maybe like a mid major D one something like uh, local, like Central Michigan University is only a couple hours away from me, mm-hmm. my hometown. Um, and I feel like I could have gotten a couple more you know, caught a couple more eyes if I had a senior year and had been able to put up some big numbers. But, um, you know, looking back at it, I'm, I'm very thankful that I was put on the path I was put on. And I, I think God had me on that path where at first I didn't really understand why, you know, I had a broken foot. This is like, I'm a basketball player. I'm supposed to play basketball, but now looking back at it, I went to, you know, Fair State, which is an amazing university. We were able to win the national championship for division two. And then I was able to transfer to Xavier, which was another great program. It gave me great experience and great exposure. And, you know, that put me on the path then to go and play in the NBA Summer League and then to play for uh, Aaron Nimberg, which is a huge, huge deal for me, playing in Champions League at such a, a, such a great program. Yeah, we'll come to those. So I'm, I'm very thankful for it. We'll come to a couple of those stops um, uh, along the way. Um, you, you uh, after the two games as a senior, you also – uh, then redshirted uh, your first year of college at um, uh, at Ferris State. Uh, maybe what kind of benefit that all that was? Uh, maybe just not being not not playing any games for two years. Yeah, at, um, it was it was kind of weird for me to not really play a game. And the next year, I had a lot of nerves going in to actually start playing again. Um, but I really think the redshirt was really good for me. You know, I put on twenty pounds of uh, muscle and was able to play against three seniors that were, you know, um, all older than me, all really experienced college bigs. And in practice, I was able to play against them every day and get better and learn so much and then still have four years of eligibility. 
Yeah, and when you were at Ferris State, was it your goal to be a pro? Like, did, did it seem conceivable at that point? Because, like, I, I got to uh, be honest, I have never actually heard of Ferris State until yeah. <laughs> until we were researching for this. So I, I assume uh, there's not many pros coming from there, but I don't know. Um, you know, they some I knew some guys that had gone pro. We had a couple guys go. Um, you know, one of the greatest basketball players of all time to come out of Ferris uh, is playing – um, in the league down in South America, and he's you know he won MVP there. And uh, there's mostly lower level pros coming out of there, just going out and playing for a couple of years just to keep playing. Um, I really didn't think about playing professionally. I thought it was really cool that these guys were able to go professional at all. And um, I didn't really think about going professional until my sophomore redshirt, my redshirt sophomore year, so like my third year at Ferris when I was just a first year starter, and I started putting up some big numbers. I was like, hey, maybe I can go pro. Yeah, nice. And then your uh, your junior season, you were voted the National Division II Player of the Year by the coaches, uh, helped mm-hmm. lead Ferris State to the school's first national championship in any sport. Uh, what, what were some of your favorite memories from that great season? Um, you know, it was really just the guys, just the guys that I was with. We had an amazing group of guys that hung out every day. Uh, you know, we went out together. We were always in each other's apartments, listening to music, having fun, having some drinks. Um and it was just a great, great family atmosphere. We went on, you know, we only lost one game that season. Um, and we were just having so much fun traveling around, having great games, and then making the run to the national championship was an unforgettable experience for me. And then after that, you, for your last season, you, you went to, to Xavier. Um, you, you started your season in Maui actually a couple of times. Also playing big schools like uh, Wisconsin, Auburn, uh, San Diego mm-hmm. State early on. Um, maybe just what was that transition like going from D2 to really a big uh, Big East back basketball school um, and playing and playing against these big teams and showing that you can hold your own against them? Yeah, uh, there's a, there was some nerves going into it at first. You know, I'm, playing, I'm just one of the practices with Xavier before the season started. I'm thinking, you know, I need to really prove myself, but I, I can't you know, try to act like I'm taking over the team or going to play a huge role. I just want to do everything I can to help the team win. I want to show these guys that I care about them, about their success as well. Um, Cause you know, I, at first I'd had transfers come in and I had transfers. I didn't like, um, you know, just because of egos or trying to too soon and prove that they're supposed to be there. So I come in, just wanted to help the team as much as I could and playing with you know these guys that have played in the Big East, they're high-level recruits, they're high-level players, was really really cool for me. And then getting to play against guys that I had watched on TV, and you know someday hoped to play against those, and then even to further be helpful to the team and, and put up some numbers was was like okay, dude, you're supposed to be here. You got to keep playing like you're supposed to be here and and have fun with it. And um, you know I can't thank Coach Steele enough for giving me the opportunity to. Uh, to come to this program and, and take a take kind of a big part of that one season. What, was that a bigger confidence boost or winning the the national championship? Uh, I think winning the national championship was was for me more about the team than myself, my own confidence. Um, you know, even even the individual award of national D two player of the year was more about my team for me and having you know, those guys made me look good. So coming in here into Xavier, I needed to constantly kind of convince myself dude you're supposed to be here you can play at this level and then when I started to play at that level and at level I could play at um and be start to to the team I was like all right dude you got this and and just a couple games of nerves and then I started feeling really comfortable and and the guys started to feel comfortable with me and and trust with the ball um so it, it just took a little bit of time to get into it but then you know a couple games in me and the Xavier guys got close, and, and we were just having fun playing basketball. And then maybe just what uh, what kind of led you to to sign with uh, with Nimbrook um, for your for your rookie season? Um, you know, my my agent called me and he told me about this team in the Czech Republic. And you know, in America, you don't hear a lot about the Czech Republic. Um, I'm I'm very happy to hear about it now and to learn so much <laughs> about it now. But he told me, you know, it's a really successful team. It's um, Champions League, which is what we were we were shooting for a team uh, somewhere in the you know the high Euro League teams or European leagues, and 
you told me it's a great rookie contract um, and it's a great place to start a career and, and kind of make a reputation and be get more even more exposure um, and they'll they'll develop you well and, and they'll do good with it. So I was you know happy with that offer and I was happy to come over and, and learn about the Czech Republic and learn about the more European basketball. Cool. Yeah. How's the uh, how's the experience in the Czech Republic going so far? Pretty good. I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the town I live in. I enjoy the guys. This team is, is you know, reminds me a lot of my Ferris State team where, you know, they're they're very unselfish. They're very inclusive. They just want to win and play good basketball, and that's what we're doing right now. Um, so I've been absolutely enjoying it, and now I get to show my family, you know, a whole other country, a whole other continent. So it's been a pretty cool experience. Cool. Yeah. And I read uh, that you've said before that you kind of like being an unknown player and kind of making people aware of who you are. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. the quote was that uh, like defenders would hate you because you were just some random tall white guy giving them buckets. Um, yeah. How does it feel to be to be doing that now on a European stage? Because it's kind of a, a pretty similar situation to Ferris State and then Xavier, where you're just kind of, you know, new on the scene. But uh, yeah, how's, how's it feel to be doing that? Yeah. I mean, it, it, like you said, it's in the same kind of situation that I feel comfortable in. It's, um, you know, people don't know about me yet, and that, that makes me confident. I'm going to come out, and I'm going to show you who I am. And uh, it kind of gives me, like, a confidence boost. It makes me feel dangerous. And um, I'm comfortable in that situation. That's the situation I'm uncomfortable in. So it's, it's, uh, it's nice to move to a different country, play with different players, and play in a different league that you're uncomfortable with. But, you know, who you are is the same. Um, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do is just play my style of basketball. Yeah, for sure. We uh, we took some questions from the BCL followers on Instagram. Uh, this one's from Ren underscore Jarzinia 21. They want to know, uh, how's Oren Amiel as a coach? He is a, a great coach. He's so, like, he's got such a great basketball IQ and understands the game so well, even as you know, sometimes big guys have difficulty with coaches that were guards when they play or guards playing for basketball all around. So I like what he talked about with my position and how that blends in with the rest of the game. Um, you know, he yells at us sometimes. You can sometimes I rewatch the games and you can hear uh, in the timeouts what he's saying, and it's not all it's not all uh, clean words. But you know, he really cares about us. He cares about our team. He's proud of us and what we're doing right now because we're doing something that. You know this team hasn't done yet in Champions League, and um, I really, I really enjoy him a lot as a coach. At fourteen, Dallas wants to know what's your favorite song. Uh, we saw you were in a punk band in uh, in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to play some punk rock. I'm still a drummer to this day. I love, I love all kinds of music. Right now, um, Panic at the Disco has a special spot in my heart. They got the song called High Hopes. And uh, I kind of take that as a theme song for my life. I got high hopes for my career. I got high hopes for my future. Okay. And uh, Adam Barzel at Adam Barzel wants to know who's your favorite player ever. My favorite player ever is LeBron James for basketball. I, I'm sure there's, I mean, there's a lot of European guys I still need to learn the history of and, and watch. And I'm sure there's a lot of European guys I would love to watch playing. But for me personally, LeBron James is the greatest ever in my mind. Speaking of uh, social media, I think we kind of have to ask that so- social media hand uh, uh, handle um, Hanky McSpanky. Yeah. Uh, what's the origin of that one? Uh, you know, I was in high school, just got Twitter, and um, I, you know, my last name's Hankins. People call me Hanky sometimes, Hanky Panky, whatever. My buddy said called me Hanky McSpanky one time. I just snapped my finger, I pointed at him, and I was like, "That is a Twitter handle." <laughs> and so I put it as my Twitter handle. And, um, you know, I, I, nobody cared for the next five years. I went to, I went to Ferris State. Nobody cared about my name. They're like, oh, it's kind of goofy. And then I got to Xavier, and they had such an amazing fan base in Cincinnati that they all went crazy for it. They loved it. And then I kind of I had some crazy hairstyles when I was there. I had the braids in my hair and, um, you know, headband, shaved sides of the head. I kind of looked crazy. I played really energetically. And then have a Twitter handle like that. They just loved the whole persona. So. It kind of became a thing in Cincinnati, and I hope to keep it going. Like, a, like an alter ego type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you step on the floor, I'm a little crazy. I'll, I'll get in your, I'll get in your face. I'll. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I also saw uh, in an article in the Athletic one of your post basketball career goals 
is to own a safari park combined with a hunting ranch. Uh, what's what's yeah. the status with that? Is that something you're still thinking oh, about? Oh, man. That is something I think about all the time. <laughs> um, I think it's a big money maker. It's just going to take a lot of money to start. So it's like a zoo without fences. So it's a big open area, all entirely fenced in, and you can take people kind of like almost on an African safari, but in America for me, yeah, somewhere in the States where I can just take them out and like go and find these animals. And it almost looks just like a natural habitat, um, which I think is a, a better experience for kids and families to see an animal being able to roam around rather than just sit in a cage. Um, but then you combine that with hunting ranch, which is where, you know, a lot of rich guys can go and pay some money and go, you know, big game trophy hunting with the exotic deer and, um, you know, that can bring in some money. So it kind of has the aspect of something I really enjoy, you know, working with animals, having them in the natural looking habitat, along with a way to make some money with it. You're from a, I uh, think it's brilliant. sorry, it's never been done. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I love the idea when I, when I read it too. Um, you're, you're from a, a small town in Northern, uh, uh, Michigan, about maybe 2,500 people. You grew up with, with horses, sheep, uh, um, chickens among ad- other animals mm-hmm. and you, you got a degree in environmental biology. I saw you were studying hawks and looking at butterflies and, and, and looking at checking something called, uh, bear snare, bear, bear hair snares, uh-huh. a, a bear hair snare. Yeah, <laughs> a bear hair snare. Um, maybe, and I saw you didn't have a pet in, in, at Xavier, uh, just kind of wondering how you're getting your animal fix now in the Czech Republic. <laughs> um, you know, me and some teammates have gone to a dog shelter and we're planning on going again to the dog shelter here for Christmas to give them some toys and play with them and treats and stuff. Cool. Um, I go to pet stores when I can in Prague um, and just go kind of look around at them. And I'm actually hoping to go to the Prague Zoo uh, a couple times while I'm here because it's only about an hour away. So. Um, so it's tough not being able to be around animals or really, I got an apartment, you know, and don't really have a lot of time to take care of one, but I'll get, I'll get my fix every here, here and there. <laughs> are the, uh, are the, the Czech pet stores any different than American ones? And what, what do they think no, when a 611 guy walks in? You know, I think it's 611 is kind of universal. Everybody looks at you funny. Um, and starts whispering and thinks that you can't hear them. It's just here. Sometimes I can't really understand them. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, the pet stores are pretty much the same, but the looks from everybody is, is universal. Anywhere I go in the world, I'm always going to get looked at funny and I just kind of get used to it, tune it out a little bit. Yeah. And so bringing it back to Nimburg, uh, you guys have a, a pretty unique roster. I think usually European teams, they'll have some veteran Americans, uh, but you, Hayden Dalton, uh, Deshaun Booker, you're all young guys, like 22 or 23, yeah. and then the vets are all Czech players. Uh, what, what's that dynamic like? Um, you know, I think it's been really good so far. Sometimes there's there's differences in styles of play, and, um, you know, we need to, I think as Americans, we kind of need to conform more to the European style, but also bring a little bit of of flair of our own style um but so far it's worked out pretty well we all get along really well and that's kind of what the team that was the goal of constructing this team was you know last year Nimborg had some older american vets and they wanted to get uh, kind of a younger core but still have some guys from Nimborg that you know take real pride in being the best czech team and um and know the style of play that's been there for so long um, so I think he's been really, really good and, and they're great at teaching us, you know, Petr Benda is, is super experienced and I learn from him every day and playing against him every day, seeing what he does, you know, playing at 37 years old and, and being successful and consistent is, is tough to do. And he's done a amazing job of it. Maybe, maybe just talk a little bit more about that. I mean, you look at guys like Ruban and Boacek, you know, and they're just the consummate pros. And then you, you look at Benda, uh, and you know, you said 37 and, you know, obviously you can look at him and say, you know, if I take care of my body, I can play until, you know, mid, mid thirties easy. Just yeah. maybe just talk about, uh, you know, all of the, the things that you're learning from these veteran guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Ruban and, and Bohajic are amazing offensive weapons. I love watching them play and they play great with me. Um, and that's something really, really important to me having guards that know how to, how to play with bigs and they're still kind of learning too, cause they've never really played with a six eleven guy that can get up there and, and dunk it no matter where you throw the ball. Um, that's really Benda for, for sure. He's, 
he's kind of like an inspiration to look at because he's 37 and he's in better shape than me. And, um, <laughs> you know, takes really good care of his body. He's always, he's always doing therapy and stuff, always eating really, really well. And he always comes with the same attitude and same consistency, which I think is, is really important. The mentality of his game is he's always coming. He's always going to play hard. And he's, you know, he's 37 out here getting 11 rebounds in that Champions League game. Um, you know, he's, he's very consistent. And I really, really admire that about him. And then you pick up little things here and there, like the way he, he my first couple of practices, he used to seal me so hard I couldn't even get around him. And, and he's really, really strong and solid there. And you can pick up little things here and there while playing against him. But his mentality is, is really impressive to me at, you know, for playing basketball for 15 years and still caring about it that much, you know. You guys are 7-2 and two right now, uh, a game behind Tenerife for first place in the group. Maybe just talk about the club's goals for the BCL this season. You know, our goals are to stay locked in and, and not get complacent at all. This is a this is a place that no one on this team has really been at before um, with this with this team. So uh, we're trying to stay locked in. We're trying to stay true to who we are, which is chasing the red actions, like I said, being the tougher team that's playing harder. Um, and I mean, shoot, I come I come at it. I want to win. I want to win Champions League. We want to advance the next round and just keep advancing and keep playing well. Um, and personally, I hope that we, you know, we go to Tenerife and we were able to play a really, really good game again against them and then hopefully end up with a one and one against them at the end of the, at the end of this first round. Personally, I was really looking forward to this interview. Uh, there's a loads of different dynamics about your character, um, that I think we've seen over the course of this interview. Uh, also I wanted to, uh, thank you personally for making me look good in me picking you as uh, one of the players to watch before the season. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you picking me. <laughs> Just thought the dynamics, you know, of a big guy being able to run up and down the floor and, and caring defensively. Uh, on a team with a bunch of veterans and, and a guy who has fun, which we see that you have that, you know, in the hairstyle and the, and the, and the, the smile on your face all the time. It's just, um, it's a, it's a different big guy to watch than, than what I think a lot of fans are used to. Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I try to do is, you, you know, you pick a certain niche uh, that's valuable to the game and you stick with it as much as you can. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Zach Hankins, thanks uh, for, uh, for taking some time. Enjoy the family. Uh, being out uh, out here in Europe and uh, have a uh, have a uh, happy holiday season. Awesome, man. you guys so much. All right, thanks again to Zach Hankins from Nimburg for joining us on this week's show. Thanks again to all of the fans on Instagram who submitted some questions for that. Uh, Dave, he's, he's a pretty interesting guy, really fun player to watch. Uh, what did you think about what Zach had to say? Yeah, I, I, that was one of the f- one of the funnest interviews um, we've had this year, I think, um, at least from my point. You know, I was really looking forward to talking to him. And uh, yeah, it, it, He's just a guy that, 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 you know, uh, it's not something that we have a lot, you know, big guys that run and, 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 and show a lot of energy and, and, and show a lot of emotion and, um, and it is definitely a, uh, a, a great story from really a small town, uh, and, and a winner and, 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 and just an interesting program too for him to go to. You know, it's interesting to you know you think about. We talked to some of the guys over the course of this season and last season, where you know if you're a youngster and you get in with a a, a veteran who's been around, you know, he's like 36, 37, and, and what these young players learn from from those guys, and to 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 be able to watch Benda on a day to day basis go against him in practice daily. You know he's he's that much better because of all that. You know, and, and just having those veteran teams, and it was funny because last year they had it's true they had these older Americans, and now they have these young Americans, and it's it's a really really interesting dynamic. Yeah, for sure. I I love watching Nimberg. I love Hankins. He's uh, just so so much passion and emotion, like you said, on the court. Uh, really exciting player, and they've been a, a cool team to watch. 
And yeah, just a great story to come from a, a you know breaking his foot in high school, not getting many scholarship offers, going to Division two, working his way up uh, to Xavier, and then his rookie season really making some noise over here. So it's a, it's a cool story uh, and, a, and a fun team to watch. And they've have essentially secured a playoff spot at this point. So it's going to be cool to watch Nimbrick, uh in the postseason. And, you know, between Hankins and Boachik and Ruban, like they, they definitely have what it takes to make a run once we get to that point of the season. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, there are no games for the next two weeks, so we won't have a Game Day 10 preview right now. We will have podcasts coming out over the next two weeks, though. We'll have a player interview next week, and then uh, we'll do something special at the start of the new year and preview Game Day 10. So stay tuned for that. Uh, on Fridays as BCL Coast to Coast episodes come out. Uh, Dave, any any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, uh, just um, uh, like you mentioned, we will have podcasts, so you you won't uh, you won't have to go through the the holiday break without uh, without Coast to Coast, without uh, BCL news uh, or talk, whatever. Uh, but also just for those celebrating Christmas, uh, you know, have a, have a very ho- have have a happy holiday season. And uh, we will talk to you uh, then. Um, looking forward to talking to you over the next two weeks. And then obviously can't wait for the action to start back up. All right. Like Dave said, happy holidays to everybody who's celebrating over the next couple of weeks. It'll be good to have a little bit of a, a break here from Champions League and pick things up in the new year with everybody fresh and, and ready to go. Thanks again to all of the fans who submitted questions for our interview on Instagram. Thanks again to Zach Hankins from Nimburg for joining us on this week's show. For David Hine over in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast.